Hi, everyone. I'm Roxy. I'm an alcoholic. It's so good to be here tonight, and he knows a little bit about me because we met on AA campus. So, um, yes, <laughs> fortunately, we were firmly planted on the beam. <clears throat> Sorry if I clear my throat frequently. Two months ago, I had what everybody else is getting, and um, I'm still struggling with it a little bit. Uh, my sobriety date is February 2nd, 2003, so last month I took my 16 years, and um, thanks so much. It's, it's really, it's just, it's, it's really truly the best gift that was ever given to me <clears throat> that I don't want to return, ever. Um, I want to welcome all the new people who came up and took chips and, and the milestone 30, 60, 90 days. Um, <clears throat> that's a big freaking deal. It's a really big deal. It took me many, many years to get in here and, and just even take a newcomer chip. And, and while I, I ended up with like a whole baggie of them <laughs> over the years, um, <clears throat> I ended up donating them back to the meeting I went to once I had my one year and uh, so that I can pass on that, that mojo to somebody else. <clears throat> anyway, uh, let's uh, get into what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. So I was raised in an alcoholic household, and um, I was born with a congenital de hip defect. So I was born with a um, hip defect that I, was, I couldn't walk, and they did multiple bone grafting surgeries. I had body cast, leg braces. I had a severe lamp in um, elementary school, and we know how lovely kids are towards people who are different, and um, especially when you can't do gymnastics, and you can't join in, and you can't be one of the crowd, and um, so right off the bat, I felt, um, you know, I was different. Um, I didn't fit in. I didn't belong. I don't know who my people are. All I know is my dad's a raging alcoholic, and my mom and dad are fighting all the time, and um, and I, as I grew up, the first time I got, I, I drank, drank, not the sips off the beer at five years old. That doesn't count. <clears throat> it was really when I was about 12 that um, a friend of mine decided we were going to make Boilermakers in the garage, which is beer and whiskey for those who haven't heard of that. <clears throat> so I started, you know, my chemistry class early. And, um, and, of course, I got completely hammered, blacked out, and passed out. And, you know, I'm like, let's do it again. And uh, so I think normal people, you know, they just don't do that. They, they don't start off going, oh, let's mix whiskey and beer and see what happens. And, and then, you know, before you know it, you're skimming off the bottles out of your parents' home, and you're putting them into one big bottle, and you're just skimming everything, so hoping nobody will notice that there's this much missing from every single bottle. <clears throat> and, you know, um, I know for a fact my friends in junior high were not doing that. And, um, but I think once I found my people, and, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> once I found my people, and you may know a few of them, they were the partiers at school. Once I found them, I knew I, knew I belonged somewhere. I knew I found my people who accepted me no matter what, um, well, as long as you had some good stuff. And, um, but, you know, it, it was the people we went to parties with, people we, we 
hung out with. Um, we were all kind of odd, and um, but we laughed at the silliest things, and um, and we accepted each other and loved each other. And uh, you know, it was it was that sense of belonging that I had finally found, and I I just think that um, it just set the tone to a point that going through school and not feeling like you belong. Um, I think every single person wants to feel like they belong somewhere. And, um, and if you're not feeling part of one group, then you will find your people. And maybe if there's something missing from inside, um, there's that feeling, filling that void. Um, and drugs and alcohol did that for me. I'm not saying I didn't have a great time. I had a total blast, trust me. I had a lot of, lot of great memories from, from high school and on. Well, this, the memories that you can remember, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but uh, I just remember coming to a point that I, my dad was an alcoholic, and I'm sitting there thinking, the last thing I want to be is an alcoholic. There is no way I'm going to be an alcoholic. So, um, so I, I did what uh, every person who's trying to not be an alcoholic maybe tries to do and switches over to other things. And, um, but I was still feeling that, I was still feeling that missing part in me with something. And, um, and I think that I can look back now and kind of see that, I see that pattern, I see that sense of belonging, and, and it just carried into adulthood. Eventually, what happens is that because <clears throat> the other stuff wasn't legal and alcohol is, that, um, um, you know, I'm an alcoholic at heart. I mean, that's what I do. I could walk away from every single thing I ever touched, and trust me, I've touched pretty much everything that was out there at the time. And uh, I, I walked away from everything. Alcohol I could never put down. I could never put it down. And... Um, so I am a firm believer that they're not all equal. And there's a reason why we have a singleness of purpose in, in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I will defend that. <clears throat> so it doesn't mean we haven't all done our stuff, but I, I, I just uh, have experienced a different story. So I have to say that coming to a point that in, in adulthood, and um, I was raised in the 80s, <laughs> for all of you out there. Um, I, uh, and back in the 80s, I can share with you that um, the big thing to do was to go to clubs, right? And go to clubs. Everything was free-flowing. Everything was lined up on tables. I mean, nobody cared about anything. And um, <laughs> it was so much fun. But I really think that's when my – it was so much fun. <clears throat> but that's when my alcoholism, like, took on a whole new – a whole new um, meaning to me. And, and I remember very distinctly crossing over that line of um, I'm only going to drink as I'm getting ready to go to this party. It was always, you have, remember, you had to prep before you go out. You had to, like, polish down a few <laughs> before you actually go out to polish off a few. And, um, and, but it had, I remember it very distinctly taking a turn to where I had to actually drink in the morning to um, even myself out. And, uh, 
And I will never forget going into um, the 90s, the very first time my hands started shaking from drinking. And, um, and that scared me a little, but it never scared me enough to stop. It just didn't. It was like, oh, wow, I probably had a little too much Jack last night, and maybe I need to back it off a notch. <clears throat> so, but it never once did occur to me that there was a problem. And I, I like to speak to, um, so we have so many new people in here, and I was thinking about this on the way over, about my journey. And I always tell the ladies I work with, um, don't ever forget what got you here. Never, ever forget what got you here. I will never forget that um, pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. I will never forget feeling so hopeless that the thought of death was somewhat appealing to me. I will never forget that that when I had to sit there and go, in the book it talks about either we're going to drink until you know we're blotted out in the end or whatever, and, or, or we have to pick a spiritual solution. And I'm sitting there going, wow, hmm, maybe being blottoed out in the end is probably a better choice. <clears throat> I never want to forget what that was like, how progressive this disease is. And, and the fact that um, a, an old friend of mine in the program, um, he used to say this, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this, is, you know, once a, pickle, once a cucumber becomes a pickle, you can't go back to being a cucumber again. And, and I remember that line when I crossed over to being a pickle. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the choice. I, did, I no longer had that choice of willpower. I, my willpower was shot. There was no willpower. It is not a willpower thing. And, you know, I, I know now, I didn't know this even when I was new, because coming in as a new person, um, it took a lot to get here. I, I came in initially in the 90s, and quite frankly, I thought the people in AA were just like, not my people, and I'm better than you and I don't belong in here, and you guys have all these stories that is like, you know, oh, my God. You know, I'd go home thinking, oh, my God, you know, I'm so not like these people. I'm going to try this on my own one more time. And uh, <laughs> that just, like, never happened. Um, the multiple times that, um, I, well, you know, it's countless, countless, countless times of trying to control it because, you know, in our book where it talks about that restless, irritable, and discontent part, um, that's what it's like for this alcoholic to try and control my drinking. That's exactly what it's like when people are telling me that I'm an obnoxious bitch and that I caused, wreaked all kinds of havoc at some party or somebody's house or this and that. And, of course, I have no recollection because I'm in a complete blackout. And, um, and I'm sitting there, you know, trying to control my drinking for the next week just to make everybody happy and get off my freaking back. And talk about being restless, irritable, and discontented. Because i got to tell you, I have no solution. I have no um, replacement for that feeling when you take the alcohol away from me. So now I'm sitting here, a raging lunatic, ready to kill anybody who says the wrong thing to me. Because don't you know, you just took away my best friend from me. And now I've got to figure out a way of hiding this stuff around the house so that I can drink 
without alerting anybody. Like they don't freaking know. <laughs> you know, it's the funniest thing. Uh, we were just laughing about that. It's like I just have this, these recollections. Occasionally I'll have this memory preservation thing going on from blackouts and um, it's just crazy because I showed up, I remember having a doctor's appointment and they kept, I kept calling them from the Barra del Torito and I'm pounding down my Long Beach Islands and, um, and I'm like, yeah, I'm caught in a meeting, I'll be there, can you wait, and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, three hours later I show up staggering in the doctor's office. I can't even form a word to save my life. And he's asking me if I have been drinking and I am acting totally offended, you know. <laughs> And, and it's like so funny that you can sit there and be like all oh, self-righteous, you know. It's like, how dare you? Um, you know, and they were waiting for three hours and, and then they're asking me about my drinking habits and I'm like so offended I had to leave. Um, you know, and, and you, you just <laughs> look back at this stuff and you're just like, um, you know, it's funny because I when you were reading um, uh, uh, when we were reading um, about switching from scotch to whiskey, or whiskey, yeah, scotch to brandy, and I'm like, who switched? I like mixed mine, because I'm like, you know, I'm just sitting there going, okay, I have a little bit of this left, a little bit of that left, and, and I remember thinking, um, okay, this is how I'm going to fool everybody. I'm just going to drink wine, well, in front of them, and, um, and then the vodka bottles can be stored under the sofa, and in the laundry room and in the boots in my closet. And what will happen is, and I don't know why I didn't think, well, I didn't like Chardonnay, so I, I did Cabernet, but I would, I, would, um, I would pour the vodka in my Cabernet. Right? It's an acquired taste. i got to tell you. <coughs> it really is. Right? You know you're drinking for a different reason if you are pouring vodka in your Cabernet. Just saying. I'm pretty sure no normal people do that stuff, right? Hey. I didn't like gin, though, so. Um, so, you know, I, I, and I remember sitting there doing that, pouring my vodka in my Cabernet in the family room, and, and uh, my ex at the time would come out, and he couldn't figure out why I was so hammered off three glasses of wine or two glasses of wine, and, you know, and, um, you know, you think of those things, and we were, we were kind of laughing about the... Um, I'm just sharing because the new people can, I'm sure can relate to this, but how much effort it takes to be an alcoholic and, and ditch the empties and, and deceive people and lie and then trying to remember the lie and how do I cover myself and, oh, you know, if I, if I, if I have good intentions, I'm not going to pick it up in the morning and then I pick it up in the morning so the whole rest of the day is gone. It's just gone, you know. It, it's like... Um, that insanity of, of hiding the bottles and, and lying and covering it and letting people down and not showing up because you don't even remember you told them you'd be there um, or not showing up because you had every intention but then you started drinking and nothing happens after that. Nothing good happens after that. <clears throat> I did that so often. I let people down. I disappointed them. Um, I didn't show up. I didn't see that. I, I ruined a friend's wedding um, party the night before. And unfortunately, I was in a blackout. And to this day, I have no clue what happened. But I know that absolutely nobody would sit at with me the next day at the wedding. And everybody stayed away from me completely. To this day, I still don't know what I did. <clears throat> I was in a blackout. And apparently, I, offended a bunch, I have completely offended a bunch of people there. 
So I don't need to let you know about, tell you all about that stuff because you can probably relate. We all, you know, I drank into oblivion. That was my goal every single time I picked up a bottle. Why? Because I'm insane. I, I have, I'm alcoholic. <clears throat> and we were um, listening, Al and I like to listen to speaker CDs, and um, it was interesting to hear um, this one speaker um, pull the, these key pearls out of our books, um, the 12 and 12 in the, in the big book. I studied both of them. The main purpose of them, of the big book, is to um, help us find a power greater than ourselves that can help solve our problem. And, um, but in the book, it talks about, and I, I remember these pages, uh, it was 23, um, 35, and 43, and, um, and it's, it's spattered throughout the book, but it really points to the main problem. And everybody thinks that, well, not everybody, but I know people have shared, you know, it, it is once we get alcohol. Once I get alcohol in my body, I don't care if it's a half a shot of NyQuil, I'm gone. Because that, that phenomenon of craving kicks in, and that allergy kicks in, and um, it's on. It's on. There's no, like, let's try and control it now. It's, it's gone. My whole life is over if I take a half a shot of NyQuil. <clears throat> What happens, though, is we are reminded that the disease centers in our mind. And it's that insanity, because see, I was totally offended by the second step. When it was implying that I was insane, by only a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity, and I'm like, well, that's implying that I'm insane. <laughs> so I'm not sure I'm on board with this one. Um, thank God I had a great sponsor <laughs> at the time that uh, kind of walked me through that part. <clears throat> but the insanity centers in the mind before taking a drink. It's what happens before we take the drink. It's like we have this memory loss of what happened when we face planted in the asphalt out in the parking lot after offending the whole room. And um, we have this memory lapse. It's like, you know, we have this memory lapse of what happens just prior to taking that first drink. We don't, um, that's the insanity. The insanity is that we will pick up that drink and then you ask us, why did you drink? Why can't you stop drinking? Why did you pick up that drink? And you're like, you have any number of excuses. Well, so-and-so pissed me off or so, you know, did that. We, I mean, I can, whole list of excuses why we're picking up that drink. But the problem is we're alcoholics. That's what we do. We drink. <laughs> it's totally unusual for us to, like, not be drinking. We're here on a Saturday night, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd be passed out by now. It's like, well, I'd be ready to, for round, you know, whatever round <laughs> in about a couple hours after I take a little nap, um, <clears throat> right? So um, also known as coming to. So... Um, but that insanity that happens before the first drink, it, it reminds us in several places in our book that we must find a higher power. And it says must. It's not like, oh, this is optional. Here, bake this cake how you want and, you know, see if you get the same results. Um, it actually says must. And um, I, have, I have all these circle words in my books. I study them. And it says must. We must 
find a spiritual program. We must find a higher power. And when I work with the women that um, I'm so blessed to have in my life, we, we make sure we're on the same page on that. I'm not saying we have to have this whole white light experience, uh, you know, not at all. But we have to at least be willing to admit that we are not, are not the end all, the be all. <laughs> Sorry to, you know, inform some people, but we are not it. And there is a power greater than ourselves. And, and it's our job to, to really help others find that power that can help relieve their um, obsession. And um, so to come in and admit um, complete defeat is the hardest thing in the world for this alcoholic. It was so hard to come in and say, it took a couple, couple starts, I got to say, you know, 2203 was not my first sobriety date. And, um, but to admit complete defeat was after I had no other options left. Um, I didn't want to say goodbye to my best friend. The best friend that gave me warmth and comfort and was there with me for everything, which is so sick in the head that, you know, anyway, just to look back and see that. But I remember that feeling. I didn't want to let go of that best friend. Um, I didn't know how to live without that best friend. <clears throat> but I was finally beaten down to the point where I had to admit complete defeat. And you guys had the answers in these rooms because I saw you. You were sober. And you were laughing, which was so bizarre to me as well. <laughs> it's like they're laughing about the strangest things in here. Um, and now I'm like one of those people. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, if you won't laugh at yourself, call me because I'll do it. Um, so, you know, coming in and admitting complete defeat and, and that the life is unmanageable, that's a big freaking deal. So when you come in and take a newcomer chip, that is life-changing. It's like you no longer have to feel the way you did if you don't want to. And I, what got me through my first 24 hours and my second 24 hours and my third 24 hours was to keep my butt in the rooms of AA. My first sponsor had me coming in early, setting up, making coffee, bringing the, the treats, and uh, I just have to share this because Al likes when I <laughs> share the story because uh, it is kind of interesting that <clears throat> how serious I take my commitments. I had come in um, in 2002, and I was the snack person. And, um, and I remember um, telling the group <clears throat> that it didn't bother me that I would guests in the house who, had, who liked to drink. It didn't bother me at all until I started siphoning off their bottles. And, um, but I had this snack commitment. It's like, oh, my God, I have this commitment. So I'd actually show up at the church and fill the Cheez-Its and Oreos <laughs> and all that, and I'd go home and drink. And people were like, they couldn't figure out where this stuff <laughs> was coming from because I was nowhere to be seen, and yet all these treats were showing up in the little container. And, um, but I thought, you know, <laughs> it just cracked me up because I'd be at home drinking going – you know, just laughing at the whole situation is it, it, like so pathetic, but it was it was funny to me. <clears throat> it's like somebody's showing up with Oreos and cheeses. <laughs> so you know, when I finally when I finally said, okay, I don't want to be a newcomer again, but I'm a newcomer again. Um, I came in and I told everybody, and that's the hardest thing to do. But I got to tell you, once 
once I got that past me, it was like this huge relief that I can start over today. I can start over. And, and I asked the one guy who had been with the meeting for a long time, and I'm like, should I give up my snack commitment? He's like, are you going to still drink? <laughs> and I'm like, no. You know, and he's like, you need to keep your snack commitment. And uh, so I had a lot of commitments um, coming in. And, you know, I was always told to stay in the middle, you know, be in AA, not, um, you know, we have to, I had to be in AA. I had to completely turn it over and trust the group. Did I have this whole spiritual awakening my first year? No way. I didn't. Um, I kept thinking someone's, something was wrong with me, like, oh, everybody's all spiritual, and maybe I'm not doing something right, you know. Why am I not feeling the way everybody's all feeling, you know. Of course, my perception was way off, because I'm thinking everybody's, like, all perfect, <laughs> and they're so not. None of us are perfect in here. And um, so that was great, because I fit right into a room of people who aren't perfect. That's where I belong. And um, <clears throat> so having that willingness to turn everything over to a power greater than myself, um, I didn't quite understand it, but I did it. And I think that's the whole thing for when you're new. You know, I always wanted to analyze. I wrote all my notes. You know, I want to be the A student. <laughs> I want a gold star on the top of my paper. And, um, but that's not what it was about at all. And, and to just let all that stuff go and just do the work and trust in the process, even if I didn't understand it, <clears throat> that, was, that was what got me um, several 24 hours in a row. And I would stay I, on, on my 30 days. You know, I'd look back and go, okay, I can't believe I have 30. That is a big freaking deal to get 30 days. Oh, my God. I couldn't get, like, 30 minutes of not drinking or at least obsessing on it. <clears throat> so I just kept thinking, okay, how did I stay sober yesterday? Okay, I went to this meeting. You know, I called my sponsor. I, you know, did this and this. And, and so I'm just going to do that again. You know, I got on my knees. I, I prayed. I did the, you know, upon awakening thing in our book. And, you know, I just followed directions. I didn't have to understand it. I just had to do it. And, um, and just trust that those who came before me, um, eventually I'll have that, you know, transformation. In the back of our book, in the appendix, it talks about that spiritual experience. And, um, and it mentions it a few times, you know, the little asterisks on the bottom of our book, like, go to this page, and then it says, go to this page, and then it says, go to this page. You know, it's like, okay, fine. I'll um, I'll go back to that page and read it. And um, the spiritual experience is all about our transformation <clears throat> and changing. And, um, you know, a spiritual upheaval. And, um, and I love that because it happens as the result of the steps. And so it'll happen in its own time. So if we don't put all this pressure on ourselves, like, i got to get this. No, you don't. You only have to get step one 100%. The rest of it comes. It, it does. It's like I'm just willing. I'm willing to do this. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when we, when, we, when we do our fourth step, and a lot of people freak out about it, and, and, uh, but, you know, the, the bottom line is if, you, if we just did our, if I just did my third step, um, is it just like empty words, or do I really mean it? Because if I really mean it, I'm prepared to go into step four and get this work done. And it says we need to start now now not like oh we'll chill out for a week and go to the pool 
you know, and then come back and revisit it. It doesn't say that at all. It says, now, get busy. And um, because you're in that mode, and it's the best time to start writing your columns, and, and uh, we don't have to do that perfectly either. I don't have to remember every single thing I've done forever. I mean, I prayed about it, and it came to mind when it came to mind. I was making amends. <coughs> Excuse me, I had a class reunion. Well, it's been a while now, a few years ago. But what was really odd is that all of a sudden I had this vision of this thing that happened when we were um, seniors in high school or just after. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I think I owe this girl an, uh, an amends. And um, it just, like, all came to me. And so I talked about it with my sponsor, and she was like, well, how would you feel if, you know, somebody did that to you? I said, well, I'd feel totally humiliated. She goes, well, then I think you owe an amends, you know. And so knowing I was going to see this girl at this reunion, I, I called her up and, um, you know, we met. And, and uh, you know, keeping my side of the street clean. And as it comes, things, thank God that God doesn't reveal every single horrible freaking thing I've ever done my whole life all in one dump. <laughs> that would be awful. I'd never crawl out from under that rock ever. <clears throat> so... I'm really grateful that these things get revealed over time. And as we grow in AA and we're more willing to, like, be open, um, I always pray every single day, um, God, help me see others the way you see them and, and help me to be the person that you would want me to be. And, um, and please help me be willing to learn and, and stay open to learning from others. You know, the day I think I got this thing dialed in and I know everything, I'm in trouble. I know that. <laughs> I just know it. <clears throat> I have to get myself out of the way and let God work th through others. I have um, I had a conversation with one of my sponsees the other day, and, um, you know, what I, what I, I'm, I'm not the, well, they would say I'm not the easiest sponsor, but it's only because I'm passing on what I did. And if you don't want what I want, then there's plenty of other sponsors you can go to. Because this is life and death. I'm not going to sit here and coddle you and put you on a little fluffy pillow and fan your face and, you know, all that stuff. That's not how this works. I came in totally desperate and I was willing to do whatever it takes. And quite frankly, if, if uh, you know, if, if you want sobriety and you want what I have, then you're going to do what I suggest, which they're not really suggestions. So um, it's more about um, attending book study meetings. That's fine. You want to go to discussion meetings, consider those an elective, you know, because you're, you're going to hit five, at least five meetings a week at a minimum. I mean, the, I, it was pointed out to me when I came in, because I used to take the weekends off from AA, <laughs> which is really funny. I had this old timer come up. He's like, well, you drank every day, didn't you? And I'm like, Oh, yeah. He's like, well, you know, <clears throat> this is like this free gift given to you. And you're thinking you can just, like, bank some time and skip the weekends. And, and I thought about it, and it's like, he's so right. It's like, how much effort did I go into my drinking? How much effort went into my drinking? And I cannot put that effort, even a s small percentage of that effort, into my sobriety. I mean, give me a break. This, this was... It was an eye-opener for me that, you know, I need to put as much, if not more, energy into my sobriety or I will lose this gift. And you know what I know 
from being sober for a few years, <clears throat> I've been to so many funerals of friends. I have lost friends in this, in, because of this disease. Because what happens is life gets good. People get sober. Life gets good. All of a sudden, they're joining the bike bicycle club, they're doing the salsa classes, or, you know, I'm going to go to spin. Um, and before you know it, they're, re they're, <clears throat> they're not even replacing their meeting. They're replacing their meetings with the spin, but they're picking up other meetings to stay on top of what they need to do. And so before you know it, life happens, and they're down to, oh, man, I haven't been to a meeting in three weeks. And I'm like, oh, my God, I would be so insane <laughs> if I didn't go to a meeting in three weeks. That would be like my death warrant. Um, <clears throat> But then what happens is that insanity that we just talked about a little while ago, it's that thinking, what happens before you take the first drink. You don't have an effective mental defense against that first drink. That's the most important thing in here, is the effective mental defense against that first drink. And only a higher power can give that. So when, when, we're, when I'm not going to meetings, <clears throat> my girlfriend, I've, I've, I have a few, actually, never make it back. They never make it back. And they never, <clears throat> when that obsession is lifted, and everybody in here has, um, for the, I'm, I'm assuming, just because uh, we have every, all the people who took chips and everything, that obsession gets lifted. It is the greatest gift on the planet. Greatest gift on the planet. And I don't know about you, but I never, ever want to go back to that place where I was so desperate and I was crying and I was bloated and my face was red and I was looking in the mirror, hating myself and crying and going, what the hell happened to you? <clears throat> I don't know how to get out of this hell. I never want to experience all that again, ever. And I will do whatever it takes to stay in these rooms and to stay sober. It, it's like my lifeline, and and I have been busy. I, I run a, two businesses actually, and um, and I'm extremely busy. And I don't want to take this gift for granted and throw it back at God and say, you know what? No, thank you. I'd rather do it my way. I'd rather go back to face planting in the asphalt and having everybody hate my guts and not invite me anywhere, because I want to die alone like my dad. He died without friends. You know, I have to think of those things. And I have to think of being the example for the women I sponsor. And I have to think about being an example for my nephew who has this. He has the genes from both sides of the family. And I flat out, we sat him down and said, listen, dude, you have alcoholism on both sides of the family. You have a really high probability this is going to be a problem for you. You're going off to college. I'm not going to stop you from partying. I'm not going to tell you what to do, what not to do. Just know if it becomes a problem in your life and you start missing things because of it and you start lying to people because of it, it's a problem and we will help you. There is help. Because what I, you know, those who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves, they're the ones who never get this. They're the ones who keep wanting to their way. They, they... They think they can try one more time, and I get that. I totally get that. But when you want to stop living in hell and you want to live a productive life filled with loving people that are my bestest friends that I always search for my whole life, and I have them, I found them in here. 
the people who, if I called, I could tell, I can't even tell you how many people I could call tonight and say, I'm in trouble, I need you. Every single one of them would come over and help me. I didn't have that when I was drinking. You know, the people sitting at the bar with me, <laughs> you think they, <laughs> where are all those people? <laughs> you know, those were friends. Well, I eventually got kicked out of a lot of places, so I had to drink alone at home. That's what happens. Um, you know, um, that's what happens. What happens is you go back into the bar. My very first amends was to the, um, the manager at El Cholo because I lived in Irvine at the time, and, um, and I got kicked out. I don't know. I was in a blackout, so I don't know what happened. But they poured me in a taxi. I lived across the street at, in Woodbridge, and, and it's like, I'll show them. I'm not leaving my car. I walked back over there, walked into the bar, asked the bartender for a drink. His name was Renee, and he's looking at me, and the whole bar is crowded. And he looks over at me. He goes, I'm not allowed to serve you anymore, Roxy. We all know what you did. I passed out on the bench out front. I didn't know this. And, um, and everybody in the bar turned around and looked at me. And, uh, you know, I didn't quit that day. It wasn't enough. But they, they were my first amends. And it's pretty bad when the, all the bartenders come out and hug you because they're so happy you quit drinking. <laughs> Why do you <laughs> go figure? <laughs> anyway, I think my time is up, right? Um, so I just want to end on, um, wrap this up. <clears throat> I have a sponsor who has 42 years of sobriety. She has a sponsor. It's kind of crazy. I think they're pretty close in time, though. And then I have a few ladies that I sponsor. I am married to the man of my dreams, my true love, my soulmate. We share a sober life together. We have on our refrigerator the traditions for a marriage. And that's why studying the traditions is so important. So I can learn how to interact in a group environment because I never knew how to do that. <laughs> As a loner, me and my vodka bottle. Um, you know, and, uh, and then they had to go and get, you know, caller ID. And that was the end of my dialing, drunk dialing. <laughs> God, go ahead and ruin my fun. Um, but, you know, it was really funny as I used to, when I went out, um, I did use the phone list from the A meeting I went to on the way home. And I was, like, drunk dialing all the people on the A list. <laughs> it was just like, who does this, you know? And I remember a couple of people, I'm telling them, I went out, and they're like, oh, well, get your butt back into the meeting. And um, So, you know, um, I get to share an amazing life, and, and uh, Al and I, we play a lot of golf. We help a lot of people. We have a lot of great friends in AA. And um, I taught my sponsor how to Skype so we can do Skype meetings. She's 86 years old. You know, it's awesome, man. <laughs> she's like all, you know, techie now. And, and, uh, and I sponsor a lady up in Washington. I started sponsoring her when she was down here. She went up there um, and begged. <laughs> she's like, you've got to still sponsor me. We'll Skype, so we Skype, and uh, we, we stay in the books. And, uh, you know, step six and seven are character defects. That's where it is. That's what separates me from other people, from God, and from myself. So I try and uh, I pick my, you know, one or two favorites every day and work on those. And uh, anyway, I just wish you all um, abundant blessings and sobriety. 
and uh, stay in the middle and uh, and help somebody else. I, I was I was my sponsor had me introducing myself to newcomers like the first week, and I'm like I have nothing. She goes, you have more than this person. They just walked in, you know, 24 hours. Get out there. Thank God it wasn't up to me when Bill, you know, at six months was dialing, you know, trying to find an alcoholic to help. I'm glad it wasn't up to me because I'm still selfish and self-centered. I wouldn't have even thought, oh, i got to pick up the phone and help somebody else. <laughs> I mean, talk about a God shot. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. So I just want to thank you all and, um, and just let's just help each other and do this whole thing shoulder to shoulder. And, um, and never, never, ever, ever give up hope because some people just have to go through whatever they go through to get here, and it's not going to happen as sooner. So um, I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you.